0: I'd like to invite you in your Bible to the book of Luke, okay? The book of Luke chapter number 12, if you would please. In your Bible, the book of Luke chapter number 12. I'd like you to look at verse 1 of uh, Luke 12. I'll not be long tonight. Good to see Mary board here tonight and this morning. And uh, Mary, we, you've helped our prayer life, honey, this uh, through the last month or so. And we are so proud of you and... Thank God you're here tonight and um, just as a way of introduction, let's look at verse one of Luke chapter number twelve. In the meantime, when they were gathered together in numerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another. That means it is Such a crowd is standing and stumbling all over one another. He began to say to his disciples. Now it's very important that we get to whom our Lord is referring and speaking. Because most of the folk preach this chapter evangelistic or try to preach an evangelistic gospel message out of the text. And it's possible, and I've done it many, many times. But he's not referring to lost people. He's speaking to his disciples. And he's got two bewares in the chapter. First one, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So he's teaching the disciples in these verses down through verse 14... The error, the fallacy, the danger of hypocrisy. No doubt we could find that throughout the Bible if you talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees who do not believe in the resurrection. So that's why those sad you see. And so look in your Bible now and you'll see down through verse number 14. Our Lord is teaching his disciples the danger of Of hypocrisy. And then in verse 15, there is another beware. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possess. He goes on to say, And he spake a parable, now just like he explained to his disciples the fallacy of hypocrisy and the danger of hypocrisy. Now he goes in to teach his disciples, that small group of men, the danger of covetousness. And now he gives us a parable which is an earthly story to illustrate a spiritual truth. And he says this, and he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? I, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Would you say that might be a philosophy in this time in which we live? Eat, drink, and be merry. And God said unto him, Thou fool. Thou what? God blatantly, unapologetically calls somebody a fool. When God said to you and I, if we say to anyone, thou fool, we will be in danger of hell fire. You mean God has now transcended that which he forbids us to do. And uses an illustration, a parable, a lesson to teach the disciples that Certain attributes in individuals it's relative to them being in God's eyes a fool. I can't hardly get at my mind wrapped around, God forbidding us to do something, and then God blatantly, unapologetically. Says, this man is a fool I hope you understand what I'm trying to say and God said thou fool tonight thy soul shall be required of thee then whose now watch this then whose will those things be which thou hast provided. Nowhere in the text does it say that he's speaking to a lost congregation. He told his disciples, Any man that is Covetous in his heart, it doesn't make any difference if he's saved or lost. If he cannot control his wants, his urges, his lust. He's a fool. Saved or lost. Covetous is not just something reserved for Lost people. Materialism is not just something that's exclusive to lost people. God here uses this illustration to teach you and I a lesson concerning some things that I think we need to discuss tonight. As we examine the text. We see that God transcends what he wants us to do. But I suppose if you and I went down the streets of Jerusalem at this time. And began to ask the neighbors of this man. What do you think of old brother so and so. Down the street behind the gated community. Probably tonight if you and I were to go. Through the, 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 the place and through Jerusalem, uh, we might have spoken to his neighbors and we might ask a neighbor, well, what do you think about the man who's building those new barns and uh, has all of this success? What do you think of him? I would imagine the neighbors would have spoke very highly of his business administrative abilities. He would have been on the in crowd in any city in the community. Perhaps he would be the next speaker at the full business gospel men's association. If he rode horses he'd be speaking at the at the rodeo Christian clowns of America. envied by all the young boys and girls in the community because of his quote unquote success. He might have been the director of the First National Bank at Jerusalem or at least he sat on the board of directors. Surely surely He was probably a hard worker, honest, upright, respectable citizen. But what was God's opinion? What's God's opinion of us tonight? You know, what does God think about us, our motives, our motivations? our faithfulness to pray to read our Bibles to try to think in a spiritual realm instead of a natural realm I would say to you tonight without any reservation at all everybody that lived around this guy thought he had it made He was the success story of the community. Look at those huge barns. Look at that nice house. Look at his manicured yards. Look at the servants he has taking care of his place. Boy, I wish one day I could be like that guy. But I wonder if we ask God what his opinion is, if it might change our mind a little. And God unapologetically said, you're a fool. (laughs) A fool. Why would God call anyone a fool? Could it give you just one or two things? Number one, he called him a fool because he put his self before God. Did you know if you read the story 13 times, this guy said, I, me, or mine? 13 times this joker said. And now notice in verse number 17, he did not pray, he did not invite God's in advice, he did not invite God's wisdom. The Bible said he thought within himself. Completely leaving God out of the scenario. That's what Jesus is trying to teach you and I tonight. Don't leave God out of your plans. Don't leave God out of your life. Don't leave God out of your home. Don't leave God out of anything. Do not go on your own wisdom. The Bible said it is not in man to direct his steps. And every time I leave God out... I act foolishly in what I'm trying to do for God Amen. he He absolutely put himself before God. Look down to there. What will I do? Notice he said, My barns are full. Notice, I have no place. To restore my goods, the man he's thinking was totally about and concerned himself. He said, "They're my barns, they're my fruit, my soul." Do you know anybody like that? My car, my rug, my kids. I get so put out with women who tell their husband, "Those are my kids." Well, you're the second ones that's married been able to do that. That is so dumb. That is so dumb. Let him assume the responsibility of those little rugrats. Amen. My, 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 my. He got, uh, you know, this guy was a forgetful sucker, if you don't mind. He said, my barns, my fruit, my soul. You know what? I bet he forgot whose ground he used to put the seed in. Don't you imagine I bet he forgot who sends the rain. How about that? Do you think maybe he forgot a few things? He might have forgot, bless your heart, who hung the sun in place and keeps it there by the word of his power. He might have forgotten who gave all the health he had. He might have forgotten who gave him the talent to do what he had done. You might forgot. Aren't we all good forgetters? When it comes to my house, my car, my kids, my money, my, 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 fool. How foolish I have been in my life. How foolish we all have been in our life when we put ourselves before God. Can you imagine? Uh, He must have forgotten who gave him the health to do the fields. You know what Daniel told Belshazzar? Your breath is even in God's hands. Can you say amen? The Bible said, For in him we have life and move and have our bearing. Bless your heart tonight. Don't be foolish. Learn a lesson from our Lord Jesus. This Man had forgotten that with one smooth swipe of the hand of Almighty God, he could have taken away his family, his barns, his wealth, as he did with Job. You remember that fellow by the name of Job? A lot of Christians remind me of that crazy, skeptical, black-hearted, scoffing infidel who stood and said, I defy God Almighty if there's a God in heaven, cause it to lighten and, and strike me dead. Some elderly Christian said, why should God shake up heaven to kill one idiot when he can have a gnat flap your nose and suffocate you to death? Amen. Can you imagine my barns, my house, my car, my, 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 my. Dear Lord, don't you know where it all came from? Amen. And guess what? It's going to be somebody else's when you leave. Amen. Can you say amen? amen? Everything you don't take with you, somebody else is going to spend for you. Of course, we could be like that guy in, the law, in, in, in Hollywood. Want to be buried with his Cadillac? He was. I don't think he's getting very good gas mileage but I'm he was why would God call anybody a fool I'd hate to pillow on my head tonight and think that God thinks of me as a fool Amen. I, I, that, that, that's far beyond my comprehension you know why God put this in here because God does not want us to put ourselves before him that's why God called this man a fool. You put yourself before God. Secondly, let me, let me hurry because I want to close in two or three minutes. You say, why? It's a football game I'm not going to watch. He put his body before his soul. Put himself before God. But he was a fool because he put his body before his soul oh can you imagine this is the picture of most Christians today what if some of you ladies spend more time in your Bible at your dinner at the beauty shop what if some of you men spend any time at the beauty shop sure help things a lot A man busy preparing for the body while forgetting the soul. Put the emphasis on the temporal while forgetting the spiritual and the eternal. More aware of what's going on around us, about us, than what's going on within us. No time for prayer, no time for God. After all, we've got to do what we've got to get done. If we don't get it done, it'll have to be done tomorrow. He's a fool who thinks he can live and be happy from this world's table. There's nothing this world can give a Christian that'll have, give him peace that passeth all understanding. Amen. You can't eat at the devil's table and be happy if you're a child of God. Are you, know, you listening to me? You can't do that. We should know that silver and gold and grain are not the soul's nourishing elements. It's grace and mercy and forgiveness. And the word of God, listen to Jesus as he talks to us in verse 15. He says this, he says, take heed, take heed. Beware of covetous for man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things but she possesseth. Well, I wish we could get that verse right. I wish we could get that right in our life. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. Hope some of the choir uh is listening uh by way of television. But I I, I say to you tonight, Well, we need a reprogramming of really what's important in our life today. Amen. 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 Man, a lot of a lot, lot of folk just just you know your family for the dumbest of things huh now that I'm out of the teenage years a few years uh, things of, of importance has changed seem like amen yeah yeah I remember when boy I just had, had to work I, you gotta, get, gotta get to work Man, you just, you just got to work. Don't have time for them kids. You got to work. Got to get it while the getting's good. While well, we neglect our kids. Who's going to do it if we don't do it? We got to get it. Got to get it. Got to put it up. Got to retire. What about my 401k? I don't even know what one of them are. I guess... God quit passing them out fifty some years ago when I went into the ministry. Now what about your CDs? <laughs> they don't play anymore. <laughs> got to get it. Got to get it. Let the kids die and go to hell. Let the family go. She'll understand. Fool. Right. So you talking to me? If I'm standing in your front yard, I'm not yelling at your neighbor. food Do not. Put your body before your soul. Amen. Do not. Put yourself. And your pursuits. Ahead of God. Don't you do it. Amen. You'll be the loser if you do. Bless your heart. Why then is the average American. Is striving. For houses and. Lands and money, automobiles, things and junk. A good illustration is several years ago. I wanted to buy my wife a new car. That was twelve years ago, wasn't it? Thirteen. Just oh, you had to give me that other year, huh? Kick me while I'm preaching, right? Maybe 11. 11. (laughs) Repent. (laughs) (laughs) Repent. I thought it was a good idea to give the car, the expedition that we were driving, give it to Brian Archer. And we took Brian Archer's car and gave it to, sleep, what's his name? Anyway, one of the staff. You know, if Brother Archer drives on the parking lot tonight with his car that we gave him because it was too old for us, it looks better than the one we're driving today that we bought to replace that old car. Food. Why is it? Why is it? Somebody's arranged our thinking. In a way. That's not even close to conducive to the Bible. It's keeping up with the Joneses, blending in with the culture. We got to have it. And we're going to get it at any cost. Tonight, ask God what He thinks about that philosophy. Before you go to bed, ask God what He thinks about that. The Bible said, take heed. For what shall it profit the man if he shall gain the whole world and lose what? His own soul. I noticed something in this text. Thy soul shall be required of thee. So it must be God's soul lent to you. And one day you're going to be required give an account for what you did with that soul God has lent you. That'll be death. Thy soul shall be required of thee. Is that unusual? I want to close. You say, you said that a while ago. He was a fool because he left God out. He was a fool because Put his body before the soul. Now at 81, I want to tell you something. It ain't always going to be like it is tonight. My wife no longer asks me, are you hurting? She just says, where? Constant. no letting up, 24 hours a day, it hurts. And it's not going to get any better. And if you spend all of your energies on trying to keep this thing working, it ain't going to work. So if I were you, I would transfer my devotion to that which is eternal and let God take care of that which is temporal. And some of you young folks said, that old man don't know what he's talking about. More than likely, I'll visit you in your hospital room. Let me give you this. He was a fool because he planned for life only. Now think of that. What are we we working for? What are we planning on? What are our plans in the future? What is our thinking? What what, what goes on in our heart and our mind? Could it be that we might be as guilty as this guy and planning for life only? He had a plan for life but did not have any plans for death. Notice verse 19. (laughs) The the Bible is very plain and, and, and it speaks plainly to us. In verse number 19 the Bible says and I will say to my soul thou hast much goods laid up For many years. Now how are you living? Are you living like. You're going to live forever. Are you living like. This is all there is to it. God is trying to tell us something. We're on our way to a certain appointment. And that's death. You might call it living. At my age, I call it dying. We're dying one day at a time. Believe me, one breath at a time, we're dying. My wife keeps me pumped up all the time. She tells me how pretty I am, how healthy I am, how robust I am, and I lie most of the time while I'm preaching. But in reality, Jesus knew what he was talking about when he told his disciples, you've got to be careful, Wallace. You've got to be careful. If you're not careful, this life will begin to consume your thoughts, consume your motives, consume your works, consume everything that you do. And if you're not careful, you will begin to live for life only. What a dangerous thing to do is to begin to live for life only. You have an appointment. I have an appointment. I'm going to have to keep. I do not know what traumatic events may take place. When I fell out of that deer blind a couple of years ago, my wife thought that was the appointment day that I had to keep. I felt so sorry for my wife after that out there in the ranch by no one in several miles. Three days before that we had changed our phone coverage to uh, a coverage that would uh, be covered at the ranch and I fell out of that deer blind and laying on my back with her back broken and her shoulder broken and ribs broken and my poor little old wife there by herself out in that field with her husband's face turned white and lips turned blue. She just knew that her husband had died right in front of her. And it could have been my appointment but thank God it wasn't. Thank God it wasn't. I don't know what avenue God is going to have to bring me home. But I have an appointment. It's appointed unto every man once to die. And after this, the judgment. The wages of sin is death. I don't know neither do you I do know this you don't have to read but five chapters in the Bible and you read and he died he lived 600 plus years and he died he lived so long and he died you're gonna die how foolish it is to spend all of our life preparing to live and never prepare to die. That is the folly of all follies. Especially for someone who attends church. Would you say with the Lord the man lived a foolish Lifestyle. He put himself before God. He lived. For the body. And not the soul. He planned for life. Only. I close. He lived for time. And not eternity. Over and over in the Bible. God tells us of the brevity of life. He wants us to know that we are here, but for a short time. The Bible says that our life is like a vapor that appeareth for a little while and fadeth away. In the text tonight we find a fool That lives for time while never thinking of eternity. When I was in college in California, and that's what happened to me. I went to college in California. In one of my English classes, we had to do a paper on a book that I never heard of in my life. And they said, the teacher said, we want so many words on a book. They gave us the title. And, of course, I went down to the bookstore and was going to buy the book. I didn't know I need the pickup truck to carry the sucker to the house. It was Tolstoy's War and Peace. That sucker is this thick. If I had been honest I'd still been reading that thing and I was about 17 when I started college. So it would have taken me look like about 75 years to read that book. I did not know what to do. I knew I could not comprehend it. I knew I could not write the deal. Somebody told me that somebody had made that thick book into a little skinny book about like that so I went down and bought that skinny book I read the front page, back page, wrote a port and sailed right on through educational process in California is not very high (laughs) that great author Tolstoy describes a man Describes life as a man sitting in a boat which has been pushed off from an unknown shore. He has been given, he has been shown the opposite shore, and he has been given two oars. And left alone and pushed away from the shore. He grabbed the oars and began to pull with all of his strength. He got out in the middle of the stream and he noticed that he was not the only boat in the stream. There were a lot of other boats in the stream also, some of them tirelessly pulling on the oars headed for the opposite shore. But there's a lot of other boats out there that was not rowing and towing, but they had brought their oars in and laid them down and began to drift carelessly downstream. And everyone that passed him said, this is the way. This is the easy way. Why don't you join us? After a few of those boats drifted by, he said, well, why not? And he pulled his oars in and laid them down. Begin to drift with the rest of the boats. He drifted that way for just a little while. Until he heard a roar. Yes, he did. After a while, not only did he hear the roar, but he felt the mist. He asked himself, What in the world is going on? Until it was too late to turn around in the boat fell helplessly off the waterfall to his death. Tolstoy described the boat as our life. The two oars as the free will of man. And the opposite shore was heaven. How many of us have folded our oars now and we're drifting just like the culture? We listen to what they listen to. We watch what they watch. We do not maintain discipline in our life. Our convictions are shot and gone out the window. And we wonder why in the world. But if you'll listen. You'll hear the roar. You might hear the trumpet. Watch you might see the dead in Christ rise. All I know is. I do not want to go to bed this evening. With the inkling of an idea that God. might call me a fool. The folly of foolish living